0: Welcome back to following Know It On A Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode 88, and we are discussing chapters 117 through 120 of Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson. Part 5, the climax of the book, the payoff we've been waiting for, some of these scenes we've been waiting for for two years
1: now. Elliot, how are you? Um overwhelmed i i don't even know how to answer that question i i was trying throughout these last couple weeks as i was reading these to to you know give my live reactions in our our discord channel that we have for that and i i just couldn't i didn't even know how to process what i
2: was reading this was epic doesn't even do it justice paul how am i doing you're gonna ask me how i'm doing Right now, hold on. Okay, listen here, alright? Hold on. Okay, so, here I was, like two
3: weeks ago at this point, excited to read our big, big, you know, fight scene. Not even realizing I made a comment of like, oh, haha, what if Zeth went and helped? And he very much did. And I have been a little bit overwhelmed these past two weeks. I did not give live reactions for our patrons. I'm very sorry about that. But I believe I deserve a little bit of slack. And I think that's okay, as well as Elliot here. Um, So, I have no emotion. So, if that answers your question on how I'm doing... That is my answer.
0: Zero zero motion.
3: All right. I, um, can
0: I dare I ask about two words to to summarize the episode? I'll get back to your mug in a second, Paul.
3: Um yes. Okay. I can I'll. I will summarize this very, you know, light reading into two words for each other. <laughs> um I have unity. And okay, this is if I spelled it correctly, it's a word, but I kind of made it a little different. Kaleidoscope. It's my others, but it's like the word collide dash o dash
2: scope, collide o scope. So clever. Okay, there we are. Kaleidoscope. Elliot.
1: Yeah, two words is not going to do it justice. Probably 25 words would not be enough to describe the so much that happens in Mm -hmm. these chapters. But the two that I I picked just to have something to talk about, one is extremely obvious. I picked responsibility, which I want to talk about as we go through. And then I also chose pace, which I'll explain in a bit. All right. I fully
3: chose unity, assuming you also chose unity, so I'm kind of surprised we didn't have a a matched word this week.
1: Almost.
0: Almost. Yeah. Let's use these four words and try to talk about Oathbringer. So Brandon Sanderson is a master of payoff. We know this already. We knew this going in. Part five of Oathbringer. We're not done with it yet, and we certainly need to talk about it. However,
2: did this live up to your expectations? One word, yes or no? Oh, yes. One word. Why do you keep cutting our word counts, (laughs) okay? Why do you keep cutting our word counts?
3: Yes. Okay, I will say one. Y- yes, one word. Yes. Okay,
2: who's who's on our mug, Paul? Um, our fr- lovely friend Nate. I will let you
3: take it from there, Trevor. Since I can't say more than one word. So,
0: <laughs> Nate's been <laughs> on the podcast before, and we appreciate him still supporting us. He is a uh, ardent, I believe, mm-hmm. and. We we appreciate him continuing to support us. So thank you, Nate.
3: All right. Nice, Nate. You're, on, you're on a very infamous episode. Congrat- mm-hmm. congratulations. Um on that.
0: Um just to just to clarify, this week we're gonna be talking about 117, 118, and 119. But also read 120 if you guys are following along, because we're gonna be referencing it. But next week we'll be talking about 120 spe- like specifically, so but we're we're gonna feel free to mm-hmm. reference it. Uh, this week as well. So go ahead and read through 120, but we're not focusing on it till next week. Uh, Paul, uh, you want to talk about your two words a little
3: bit? I will. Um, Unity is a very blatant one. Uh, Dalinar has quite a humongous scene where he says, I am unity. And then he proceeds to combine all three realms, like physical, cognitive, and spiritual, into his the palm of his hand,
2: by the way, and then, like it's no big deal, there's this huge explosion of light
3: yeah uh, that's why I chose unity um two Kale- kaleidoscope, um honestly, I forget part of it, okay, so collide definitely had a lot to do with the collision of different um oh, I'm actually getting this mixed up, okay collide is mostly what I was talking about with the realms. I actually forgot. Unity... My main focus for the word unity was actually all of our Knights Radiant coming together, kind of banding together as one force, and kind of unified there. I'm a wee bit jumbled right now, so sorry. Um, And I think I had something for, like, the scope part, but... (laughs) If I come around to it, I'll, I'll let y'all know. I don't know. I'm sure it'll come up at some point, and you can at
0: chime in point, there. Yeah.
1: Uh, Elliot, the, the sheer scope of these chapters is pretty incredible, if that's where you were going with that. But my, my word to, tie, to try and talk about the craziness of this chapter was, was pace. And I, I chose pace because I, I was talking about this in a little bit in our, our, our Patreon-supported Discord channels. I've never read... I've never read any work of fiction quite like this set of chapters that we just read. The pace at which this moves is is insane. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there with my, my physical book in front of me, right, reading words. You would think that I, as the reader, should get to pick the pace at which I read at, right? If it's going too fast, I could just slow down, right? No. That's not how it works at all. I got through all these chapters and felt like the scene had just flashed past me. And I'd maybe like soaked up, you know, 15% of it. And just to write in such a way that it just feels like you're being rushed along on this roller coaster through one action scene to the next, the next, the next. And switching from perspective to perspective is just crazy. I've never read anything like that before. That was insane. My second word is responsibility. And I'll talk more about this when we actually get to that scene, but what a cool climax for Dalinar to wrap up this whole identity crisis that he's had with the theme of responsibility. Like, wow, I'm really excited to talk about it. We'll, we'll talk more when we when we actually get there. We certainly will.
0: All right. Without anything further get in our way let's just dive right into it i do want to talk about characters specifically all the way through so we'll talk about a a character arc because let's be honest 117 through 119 is all pretty much one scene and it just keeps it just keeps going through the three chapters so i'm gonna save dalinar for later uh go ahead paul you look like you want to say something
3: i do um not, I'm just I'm just asking y'all a question, and I'll answer myself. But I'm excited to dive into all of our characters. But I'm curious who y'all are most excited to talk about. Like, which characters are you asking about? Me specifically? You and Elliot, yeah. Like
1: Dalinar, are you most I mean... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you exactly one guess for for me. But <laughs> the the obvious one is is Dalinar. But I'll actually throw in a, a very close second. Zeth, I'm actually quite excited to talk about what happens with Zeth in this chapter, these chapters.
3: Yeah. I understand eleanor is like the the star of he's the star of the show here. He's the centerpiece, but there's a lot of other really cool stuff that happens. And I was really invested Absolutely. in Lift and Zeth mm-hmm. together, as well as Talano. I thought that was super dope. Mm. um So yeah. let's yeah, talk. Start- so just wanted to pick your brains. Bouncing off of last
0: week, all you wanted to know about was Renarin and Yasna. And so let's talk yes. Renarin and Yasna for a bit, because they they get their scene not in 117, but in 118. Um well, kind of both, but their scene is kind of resolved in one eighteen. What is up with Renarin? He has a messed up Spren, he has visions. But Yasna he sees in his future visions that Yasna is going to come and kill him. And she doesn't. Which proves to him in the moment that his visions can be wrong. And he and we'll talk about this more later, but Renarin sees that Dalinar becomes the champion of Nine Shadows, Odium's champion um against the Bondsmith. And that's also incorrect. So what Last week, Renarin was kneeling on the floor, mumbling to himself, like "No, not father. No, don't take him, or whatever." And that's that turns out to be incorrect. That he doesn't become the champion. So, what is up with Renarin's Spren? Is he is he actually a truth watcher?
2: What are what are his powers? What's going on here? You're asking all the same questions.
1: That I'm still asking after this. I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. Because we, we've been told he's a truth watcher. I think Renarn himself told us he's a truth watcher, right? Yep. So is that still true? Or is he something completely different? My first thought when we started to go through this was I was worried that his spren was going to actually turn out to be a void spren. And that Renarn was actually going to be something closer to like a fused where one of like the actual Odium spren had bonded with Renarin. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think actually my guess coming out of this is that Renarin has bonded with a Truthwatcher spren, whatever kind of spren they are, but the spren has been corrupted. The only way we know that's possible is our unmade Ja'anat, right? So at least that's what we've seen before. So I'm guessing at this point that his spren he still is a truth watcher, he still is a knight radiant, but his spren has been touched by Ja Anat, which is makes him some weird kind of hybrid, I don't even know.
3: I was thinking the same thing. Initially I assumed that he was closer to a fused, like he had a mm-hmm. void spren. Um and I had a whole host of questions there. After this, I think he even mentions. Could be a little wrong, but I think he mentions like whenever Yasna whenever he has the realization that his visions can be wrong. I think he makes a comment that his spren used to be normal. Something like that, that it was like a normal truth watcher spren and then was corrupted. So
0: he makes the comment that as long as he's known Gliss, Gliss has been like she currently is, or he currently I don't actually know. Um However, Gliss has told him that they weren't always like this. So Gliss remembers a time before they were changed. Renarin does not. As far as Renarin has known, uh, this is how his sprint's always been. And he's always been able to see the
2: future with his presumably truth watcher abilities, assuming he's telling the truth. Well, that's the part two that we kind of got to unravel is the the see the future bit
1: is that a truth watcher power or is that something different i think we might have talked about this a little bit on a previous episode i'm i'm thinking at this point that that's not a a radiant power and that that's purely because of this whatever corruptedness he's got with his spren but but i could definitely be wrong so i'm really not sure there
3: I think I think you're right as well. From what I can remember, I thought it was like I don't know. They get some kind of like visions, or I don't know. Maybe it's almost kind of like visions, like Dalinar had. I don't think they share. I don't know if they share a aside or not. Either way, I he has something with like vision or sight or knowledge or like seeing things around. But I think specifically, like vision of the future is supposed to not happen, right? Or be prohibited or something like that. And truth the the
0: traditional truth washer powers are illumination uh, and progression. So you could interpret that as you see things that aren't there of the future because he has progression as well. So you you could interpret that as a truth watcher power. Progression is like the regrowth ability that we've seen. Feeling. Yeah, uh, lift use and. Um, that cobbler way back in the Way of Kings, stuff like that. And Illumination is what Shalon has. So he's he's seeing visions of the future that only he can see, but is that coming from Gliss because she's corrupted?
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out if Gliss is a he or she, because we're gonna be talking about this for a while. Keep going. Uh-huh. I, I wonder if it's like a combination of the two. I wonder if perhaps the influence. Of Ja not we're assuming that's what this is at this point, but that corruptedness is maybe allowing him to actually see the future. But like the way he's doing it might be like his illumination ability. He's he's seeing this illusion in front of him
2: that just happens to be portraying for him the future because of the influence of his spread, maybe. I could very well see that being, being the case.
3: Um, I do have to say on a he. Okay. Shout out to Gliss. Very boy. Very important. Okay, keep going. Um.
2: <laughs> uh, I was. One I thought.
3: Whenever I first heard this, it's from Renarin's perspective, and he's seeing this vision. And in this vision, Yasna stands behind him with her shard blade and swings and he's gone. Um and then it actually happens and it doesn't. But at first I thought it was that was what was happening right then, and I was like, Oh my gosh, there he goes. Rest in peace for Lauren. But Yeah. Yeah. It worked out being really cool, but I, uh, honestly, my initial thoughts, even though Renarin is one of my very favorites, from the story standpoint, I was kind of like, a little surprised um, that he didn't die or anything. Right. They they all come, and it was really dope to have all of the Knights Radiant there um, at the end, of course, but. At first, it, like in the moment, it almost felt a little bit of like the power of family, like, whatever. And but.
0: specifically coming from Yasna, this is we need to find all the heralds and kill them, Yasna. This, this is a yeah. rare moment of feel, of softness from from Yasna because I would
3: expect. I would expect this with like Adolin. Or something, sure. or any any of the other family members, actually. But Yasna, she, she like very much knew ahead of time what she was going to go do, and she just
2: like went in there to do it, and then didn't do it, and I was surprised. And then once once Renarin and Yasna, she basically says, "We'll we'll solve this
0: later. Come with me. Dalinar's in trouble." And then they run down the city. So we still don't have the answers to to a, what exactly Gliss is. Elliot, you said something about Jean Not Vo- Void Spren. Is that the same thing? Is a corrupted Spren? A Void Spren? Are those is is there a distinguishable there? Because Jean Not seems to be on seems to be switching sides. Does that matter? You know, th- there's a couple different things to to discuss there. So
2: we we'll revisit this before uh before the end of the book. But and a
1: a note on Yasna herself. I think we'll talk a little bit more probably next episode when we get into chapter 120, but I just want to say we start to see a little bit of this I think in 119. She is incredibly powerful. Holy cow. This is like Yasna unleashed. And like Just the way she wields her soul casting ability is deadly. Yeah. She is just like thinking like, oh yeah, I need need to wipe you out. So I'm just going to soul cast you into air. Bye. And uh, oh, I need to get up this wall. Let me soul cast me some steps. Bing, 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 bing. Like dang, she's everywhere. Like just taking out scores of soldiers and just hopping over buildings. Like, whoa, where is the like scholar Yasna sitting in the... What was it called in in Bronth, where she's you know just reading all the books all day long? Like this is not the same Yasna. Yeah.
3: Shortly
0: shortly after this book was published, Brandon Sanderson was asked in a Q and A what the most powerful Night Radiant was. Like, w- what order was the most destructive? Was the was the question? What do you guys think the answer was? Just a quick guess. I
3: think the destructive? most dest- dest- destructive overall, or like. Best fighter. Like, like strongest capable
0: fight. of doing the most damage.
1: Dustbringer.
0: And my guess is either Dustbringer or Elsecaller. Uh both of you are incorrect. He answered Lightweaver. Hmm. And the reason uh, why he said this is because oh, I... they can create an infinite amount of light to the point where they could create a black hole. Whoa. Uh okay. So that was uh, that was his answer, yes ha. Ha, ha funny anyway um <laughs> he he joked about stormlight era three and their uh like we were shooting lasers out of their eyes and stuff like that <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, all right <laughs> anything else for yasna and, and Renarin? We'll, we'll revisit them next episode, of course, but uh, just for now before the battle starts, anything else
3: minor comment on Yasna. um yeah kind of touching on what Elliot said before, like we kind of have known Yasna to be like a more scholarly, even almost like political figure at times, like leader um in a sense, but she really came out swinging, and not only was she good with uh soul casting, she also had some really like sick shard blade uses. There was like one moment that it was like she swung and brought down six. Like void bringers or whatever, or like six people at like instantly and stuff, and it was it was really dope. Um And it was also we'll probably talk about this a lot more in depth once we're done with the book. I imagine we'll do another kind of book recap of yep. things. And like a movie adaptation, I envision Yasna as a much more like domineering like woman, I guess, or like more of a fighter than I initially had for sure. So
1: that's fair. I've been curious for a long time where our cover art was going to come in. Because when we started this book and you told me this is Dalinar's story and I pick it up and I'm like, that doesn't no, look like that Dalinar. Ain't, that ain't Dalinar on the, the cover. That is definitely Yasna. And I think we found it. Am I right? Is, is this definitely the scene where we see her wielding her powers? You did. So is that ivory? The
3: sword, yes. Then I assume okay, because this whole time I was like, "That's Oathbringer." Oh my gosh, that's Oathbringer! <laughs> like the sword. How fun. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: That 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 has been a a, a question for Brandon Sanderson. It's like, what? Why is all the art swapped on all the books? Why is Dalinar in the front one? Why is Caladan on the second? Yeah. One? Why is Caldyn on the second one? Why is Shallan on the fourth one? Like, wh- what's happening yeah. here? But yeah, he he says he doesn't want to give away too many. Things with the with the cover, so he just mixes them up.
3: So do you think the way of kings
2: art is for the fifth book? Maybe. We'll see. Anyways, because the fifth book will have Vinley,
3: Obviously, everyone knows this. <laughs> yeah, and we don't have him with Dallin. Uh, never mind.
2: My my idea is ruined. All right, who's next? Should we do? Kaladin, Shallan,
0: Adolin? Sure.
3: Whatever you want, Trevor. Sure.
0: Sounds great. Okay, so this kind of piggybacks off of Renarin anyway. So once Kaladin, Shalon, and Adolin figure out that they can't open the Oath Gate, uh, we're actually in an Adolin perspective, and he's pretending to be an illusion, and the fused see Shallan on the Oath Gate, and they don't seem concerned that she'll, she'll be able to access the Oath Gate, and Adolin's like, that's not good. And so he's pretending to be an illusion, and the Fuse like, gets a cut in their hand and throws a bunch of blood into the illusions. It splatters on Adolin's face, so he's the real one, and then they come and just stab him right in the stomach, and then fly away. And fast forward a little bit, Kaladin runs over to him, his intestines are cut. This is a fatal wound. That Adolin is has received here, and then we get to the Paul. You actually were talking. You talked to me about this a little bit off camera. How frustrated you you were with how many cutaways there is here, where Cal still is like, "Speak the words, speak the fourth ideal. the that'll save, it'll save us here." And then it cuts away, of course, because cliffhangers. And then it comes back, and Callan's like, "What if I spoke the words?" And
3: then it cuts back away, and then it comes yeah. back. So. It Long story coming back for, like, super tiny, like, things that, like, it was just frustrating. Like, Brain Intention is literally just having fun playing with us at this point. Because, like you said, it was like, oh, his stormlight ran out. And still is like, just say the words. And then it cuts, and we go see all this other cool stuff. And then it comes back, and he's, like, falling. And he's like, man, about those words. And then <laughs> nothing. And then it cuts away. And then it's just, ugh. It was the worst. It was the worst.
0: And we can talk about the swap point of views here in a second because I'm actually curious to hear what you guys think of this, but Kaladin doesn't say the fourth ideal in this battle. Not with Amram in 120, not before that still in Shadesmar in 117 through 119.
2: What are you guys' thoughts on this? What is it that he can't say? Any ideas? Why can't he say it? Because I've been trying gonna, to guess I've been trying to guess this for a little while, actually, because he's
1: we know he's building to his fourth ideal, he should be getting to it, but in the past he's had to like say something that he's been struggling with, and I honestly can't figure out like what specifically is Kaladin battling with here that he needs to speak, and then clearly in the scene, he knows what to say. It's obvious. He knows it, but he can't summon the strength to actually say it and mean it. Right. What? I'm stumped. I can't even think about what this would be. It's, it's Windrunner, so it's got to be, you know, protecting something. But what is, what is Kaladin so struggling with that he can't want to protect?
2: It is difficult because, especially
3: in this book, we haven't seen that much of Kaladin having a big yeah. internal conflict or, like, moral battle. Um, Like, in the second book, it was all about the, like, revenge and, like, defending Elokar or seeking revenge for Moash, like, all this stuff. This This book, we don't really have that. And honestly... It's when Amram comes onto the scene. This is my thoughts on the fourth ideal and Kaladin. Amram comes onto the scene, and Dalinar, I think it's Dalinar, has a moment where he's like, Amram, come on. Come on, man. Like, what are you doing? Come on. Let's be friends. Like, what are you doing with Odium? And Amram, who's probably a little bit corrupted at this time, doesn't. Whatever. A little out of his mind. Um. Says that he will never get forgiveness, um, and they're referencing Kaladin, like pretty, uh, I think they say it right. So Dalinar
0: assumes he's referencing Kaladin, but Amram says no, he will never forgive himself, is what he means. Mm, so okay, so Dalinar's like, what Kaladin will never forgive you? And Amram says no, he will never forgive me, and he points to himself.
3: Oh, okay, okay, okay. That kind of throws her into my plans. So Amram needs to get with Teft, because Teft said, like, oh, I'll protect those I hate even when I hate myself the most. And stuff. So maybe Amram needs a lesson from Teft. But my (laughs) thought with that was actually that Kaladin missed a chance to become, like, to say the fourth ideal. Because I thought his fourth ideal was going to be Along the lines of forgiving Amram. Okay. Okay. And so since he killed him, I thought that was like the. Oh, well, maybe in the future we'll see a time where it happens, and then he says the fourth ideal or something. But that was my guess. Because there's nothing
2: else emotionally pressing in Kaladin's storyline that I can think of. It's sure. that impactful. Turns out he doesn't need to, because Dalinar's got him covered this time. And it's time for
0: someone to save Kaladin, as opposed to Kaladin saving everybody. So we'll get back to Dalinar here in a second, but the Oath Gate doesn't work. Adolin's about to die, and Dalinar claps them into the physical realm. And uh but we'll get back to that in a second. Renarin runs down with Yasna and heals heals Adolin for the first time. He'll he'll heal him again for a second time the in the next episode. So uh, let's talk about Adolin for a second. Adolin, and he's he's met he's he's mentioned this before to Shalon that he feels out of his depth lately. Everybody around him is swearing all these ideals and. You know, becoming knights radiant and Adolin is still Adolin. We and we'll talk about this certainly more episode or more next episode because there's a there's a specific interaction with his Spren that happens, um, which we can talk about later. But what are you guys' thoughts on Adolin right now?
2: I see what you mean.
3: It's kind of funny at the end because they have this big lineup and it's like every Night Radiant, even some heralds are there. And, like, I just kind of imagine Adolin off to the side, just, like, well, <laughs> that's cool. Like, I'm glad I'll, I'll take the picture. Like, these right. guys go have he's, fun. He's, like, like <laughs> he realizes it's a
0: family photo, and then he, like, scoots out of frame, like...
3: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And stuff. I feel, I feel bad for him, but also, the fact that he is standing at the front lines here without any, like, without being a Night Radiant, Still shows how like impressive he is, and absolutely, which is which is really cool. Um, and I still am a big fan of Adolin. I think he's grown on me more this book as well. Um, like I said, I think he's our one like s- sane person left, um, <laughs> uh, in their story. So,
1: I agree. He's somehow now the the odd one out and the normal one all at the same
3: mm-hmm. time. Yeah,
1: yeah, and. Trevor, you hinted at, I think there's a lot more to talk about for Adolin maybe in the next episode in 120. There's a few key parts in there. But I think the the bit that's happening with his spren actually starts all the way back in chapter 117. In that scene where Adolin gets stabbed through the stomach, he actually gets saved before Kaladin and Shalant show up by his sword spren. The right. fused, I'm trying to remember the scene, It's it's many pages ago now, even though it's like three chapters ago, <laughs> the, the fused has stabbed him. And I think it, it's coming in for the final blow or something like that to finish him off. And his spren who to this up until now has done, you know, nothing, but just kind of shuffle along after them and stare blankly at everyone
2: mm-hmm.
1: like leaps into action, jumps on the back of the fused and saves Adolin's life. Like that was kind of a big moment to me. Like, whoa, we have not seen that Spren do anything. And then all of a sudden she jumps in to save Adolin's life. Like that, that moment was enough to awaken her to action. Right. That's, that's interesting. And maybe that like the start of what then
2: we see a little more of in chapter one twenty coming up. There is, I was shocked at that. And that's one thing that I kind of, in the midst of everything, I very much
3: discounted as a, I don't know. Read and find out. Like yeah.
2: I'm assuming that will somehow get explained, but explained this book or next book. Mm-hmm. We only
1: got we some... only got two more chapters to go.
2: <laughs> yeah, true. I've
1: I've got some theories, and I'll I'll go into a more next episode when we get into chapter 120. But I'm wondering if Adolin might be joining the crew in in the the near future. Maybe like, you know, a mic drop at the end of this book, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Good. All right. The
3: last last thing I want to say about Adolin. Yeah. I I could very well see that happening, Elliot. But I really like that he's not a Knight's Radiant.
2: Because... I do too. I think it's really awesome that I... I don't know. It may be...
3: If everyone was a nice Radiant, it could still kind of take, I feel like it would kind of take away. Like if he is like the missing piece, I don't know. He comes in and he's a nice, good, healthy dust bringer or whatever. Joins the crew. Um, That would be super awesome and I would love that. But right now that he's there and he's not, I think, I think adds a lot to this character and makes everything else a lot cooler still, you know.
0: I really like that you said that actually. And who's who are our two main point of view characters that have yet to
2: Night radiant themselves? Adolin? Adolin and well, just... Benly next chapter,
0: but Ben will get there. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah, I was, yeah. I was, I was going to say Navani. Navani has yet ah, to no, yeah, has right. yet to say any sort of Night's radiant esque things. So. All right. There's not much content for Shalon this chapter. We will come back to her next episode with some key information.
2: But did you guys have anything for Shalon specifically for for this episode? Thought I did. Let me scroll through my notes. I guess it is all kind of next chapter because, yeah, she really has her big moment
1: once the the battle gets underway there. So, right. yeah, I guess we're well, talking about Shalon next school. one.
3: Yeah, Shalon doesn't have anything too big other than she's at the beginning of this. Everything she's trying to still persuade the the Oathgate Spren to to let her through. She's trying everything, um, and then they say no, and then Dalinar breaks them out of the Cognitive
2: Realm with the flick of a wrist, so. Let's talk about Zeth, er, not Zeth, let's talk about
0: Teft real quick here, while we're talking about Kaladin, because I want to talk about uh, Teft and Urethiru real quick. He gets maybe a page and a half total between all three of these chapters. He gets real quick, like, maybe a paragraph here, a couple lines here, a paragraph here, but I really like Teff's arc here, and the what is there is really powerful for him. Coming out of the interludes, he's had his—he he gambled away his coat. We are assuming that that was used against Bridge Four. It might have been a light weaving, as Elliot said in that previous episode. But he, his coat is is used against Bridge Four, and he cannot stand himself. He. Goes and hides because he can't. He, he can't handle facing Bridge Four, and one of his Bridge Four mates is dead. Rock is severely injured, uh, based off of what Teft uh, has done with his own coat. And he hears the the battle happening at Irythiru. There's there was uh, some singers who came across from Kolinar, and he hears Bridge Four dying out on the on out on the plateaus. And I want to read
2: is uh is ideal so real real quick here i'm broken teft said who isn't life breaks us
0: teft then we fill the cracks with something stronger i make myself sick teft that's what the words are about i
2: I will protect those i hate even if the one i hate most Is myself. Which ideal is this? So I had this realization the second time through.
1: I did not catch this the first time. I'm reading it the second time and I read that again and I paused and I was like, wait a second. That's not a second ideal. That's the third ideal. I had to think back to my whole kaladin progression right kaladin right. the first ideal is the same for everybody right the right. whole journey before destination then there's the i will protect those who can't protect themselves that's the second and then the third one was the whole kaladin do i get revenge on elokar do i protect him i will protect those i hate so teft is way further into this than I assumed he was. I assumed he would, like, just barely said the first ideal, and now here he is, you know, making a huge jump to say the second. Oh, no, he's already at the third. I don't even know what to think about this. Which is actually super important when you think back to the, the real
0: quick Tef content that we've had in this book. His spren has been trying to pull him out of his his drug slump and He's been saying, you've said words, Teft. He said the second ideal, and his spren is trying to coax him into dropping his uh, his moss addiction and stuff like this. So this is his third ideal, which, quick note, I really like that the third ideal is not the same for everybody, where it you, you alter it a little bit. I, I will protect those I hate. Insert who you hate here, you know, like... <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So... <laughs> I I really I, I really enjoy that just as a writing perspective. I was going to ask you about that if if that was you know intentional or, or if or if Teft was like a one off is is that I mean do we know or or can you tell us at this point is that like a, a Windrunner thing is the third ideal is is like a personal to you thing? So think back to the
0: Skybreakers. The Skybreaker's yep. fourth ideal is extremely personal. They get a personal crusade. Remember. And Zeth has already chosen his, I will cleanse Shinovar, is what he has decided his crusade is going to be. And so, so once you get into the later ideals, they do become rather
1: personal. So Got it. Okay. Which I suppose that makes perfect sense, because the first ideal is the same for everybody. And then your second ideal so far apparently seems to be kind of, you know, specific to your order. Right. And as you go further and further, now it's going to get specific to you. Now it's going to get, you know, something that's, you know, relating to
2: your journey. Okay. I'm, I'm tracking. That makes sense. I had thought about that too, Elliot. And
3: whenever I first heard it, I was like, we haven't heard this exact one. Is this the fourth? And I was like, no way. Because my thought process was, there's no way that every, every Windrunner, like, hates themselves the most. Right. <laughs> right? Like, that yeah. would be a very specific thing for Windrunners. And so I was like, okay, this is definitely a unique, specific to to Teft thing. I thought maybe he was just ad-libbing. Like, he said, I'll protect those who I hate. Just threw in his little personal flair at the end. Right. You know? <laughs>
2: Um, I didn't know if that is necessary, part of the words or what, but. Yeah. Now, what do we think Teft is going to do with it? Because my one thought on this is that.
3: I think our Honor Blade has to come into play, this book. Maybe it won't, but, I mean, it seems like a big deal. It seems like a big deal to me. And I'm wondering if he is
2: going to end up. Re surge binding and then finding the culprits and fighting them or getting that back or something so kaladin wasn't able
0: to say the fourth yet and teft just said the third so teft and
2: kaladin are actually the same level night radiant now what do you guys what do you guys quick thoughts on that It's that's interesting, <clears throat> and it makes me wonder. It makes me think
1: harder about Kaladin actually, because like, is is Kaladin gonna like stall here? Is Teft gonna you know surpass him? Is Teft gonna kind of come out of his slump and you know start to really grow and progress and start heading towards the fourth ideal like before Kaladin can even get over whatever he's struggling with? That we can't like figure out that that seems to that makes me worry about Kaladin more if Teft has now basically caught up to him in the progression, and we've seen the struggle Teft has been in. He's been in a dark place. So if he's been able to get himself through that to the point where Kaladin is, now they're at the same level, how does Kaladin go forward?
3: That's fair. My thought was, we we haven't seen Teft's past at all. It was always, like in the bridge cruise, it was the ambiguous, like, oh, whatever, my past was tough, and uh, he would, he would hint at it, but we didn't know. Um, and now we know it has something to do with surge binding, but being a Knight's Radiant. But we don't know. I'm, I personally am not worried about Kaladin at all. I think he's gonna do great.
0: He's got the plot his fourth armor,
3: ideal in due time. Yeah, he's got the plot armor. He, he's, he's fine. I don't really think that's like a problem if Teft hits his fourth
2: ideal first or anything like that. Um. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Ash, or
0: Shalash, more mm-hmm. more commonly known. This is the Herald, Shalash, the Dust Patron Herald, Shalash, who minor spoiler but you guys could have figured this out she was the mistress who is smashing all of her statues across rochar she stops and carves her face out of this little brazier that she walks past cuz it's it's got the 10 heralds on it and uh was it marais who who found her in that interlude after yeah. part 3 i think or is it after part 4 i don't remember but marais comes and finds her and says I know where Talon is. And so we cut to here. Shalosh comes to Thalen City. Why is Talon in
2: Thalen City? Do you guys remember? Amaram whisked him away, right? Or Right. At the end
0: of Words of Radiance, the Everstorm comes. Amaram takes his opportunity and steals Talon. Talon was at the war camps. He takes him, and he's had him captive ever since. Keeps him close. So... Talon went to Erethiru, once Amram was stationed at Thalen City, he came to th- with him to Thalen City, and he's just in this random tent, um, basically just muttering his, you know, I am Talon, blah, 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 I've been in for 4,000 years, whatever, whatever.
3: He didn't know how long he'd been in there. True. She has to tell him. She does have to and tell she- him. She was really upset about telling him, and he was extremely, like, he was really happy to hear. How long it had been.
0: I do want to read that once we get there. But what were what you guys' thoughts of getting Shalash as a point of view character?
3: I loved it. I was a huge fan. I was really excited to see some Herald interaction with another Herald. Um, I didn't actually pick up she was the Dust Bringer person. I was trying to figure that out.
0: Yeah. He- um. It doesn't say that in these chapters, but you could have gone to Ars Arcanum in any of the books, and it would have told you that.
3: Okay, okay.
1: We, I, I narrowed it down to two, because there's that, the scene at the end that we're going to get to where Dallinor's like checking off the list of, all right, we got everybody here, but one's missing. Well, Shalosh is part of that picture, so she has to be either checking the Dustbringer box or the Will, Will Shaper. Shaper box. Yep. I I was gonna guess she was Will Shaper, but I didn't think of switching, flipping to the back to that table that's back there about like the elements that that would have, yeah, Dustbringer. Okay, yeah. Uh,
3: but anyway, she seems to be good friends with Talonel, and was really like in a very mournful spirit um, over him. And there was a lot of stuff said. I don't remember exactly, but she says like he wasn't really supposed he wasn't supposed to take on much responsibility to begin with, and then ended up he was the one left in damnation for years. Um and she's expecting him to be furiously he, she's expecting him to be furiously mad. And he's just really grateful that the people on Roshar have actually gotten time to establish themselves before this desolation. Um, and it was really awesome to see like cognitive thoughts from Talano. Yeah. <laughs> so we haven't actually gotten any actual like important information from him. Um, and just seeing his, his like nature, like Talano's a, he's a champ. He,
2: he's kind of the best. So.
1: Go ahead, Elliot. I was just going to mention one of those things in that section, Paul. I'm glad you were were keyed into that because I was, I was interested too. And I'm also enjoying just getting to learn more about our heralds because one, they've been kind of mythology for the first, you know, book and a half. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden we le- we realize Oh, they're here. Oh, and they're crazy by the way. So yes. now it's like, okay, now we've got some scenes with a few of them getting to learn more about where they're at, what they're trying to do. All of that is very interesting. but, but Shalash, Shalash, Drops an, an interesting bit of information here about Town. She says something to the the effect of, "Town was never supposed to have borne this burden," and and it kind of moves on. But I I thought about that like, I don't know that we know a whole lot about like how the heralds became heralds, but Town was apparently not supposed to be a herald. She also talks about like he. He looks like a king, he carries himself like a king for for all the fact that he isn't actually. Almost kind of implying that maybe all the rest of the heralds were like royalty and Town is the only one who's not. Perhaps, but some hints there that that I want to learn about maybe in the future hopefully. Maybe hopefully. Yeah. Well, we have so many other things to worry about at this point that the backstory of of Town Probably a little bit down the list. I don't know if this is good news or bad news for you, but the back
0: five of Stormlight has three Herald point-of-view characters. We don't know which ones, but three Herald point-of-view characters. Do with that what you will.
3: That'll be fun. I will wait 20 years before I ever think about that. That way I don't have to wait for books, so...
1: Do we we know about the time period of that back five? Is it after the first five? It is. I missed. Oh. The
0: back five is after the, it's Stormlight era two is the back five. And there is a significant time jump,
1: quote unquote, but no more than 50 years is what Brandon Sanderson has said. And there's some point of views of Harold's. Interesting. Okay.
3: Okay. I was expecting, like, a way in the past we're going to see the Heralds become Heralds or something. Right.
0: Well, I mean, you yes. get flashback chapters. In that case, it could be, you know, 6,000-year flashback.
3: <laughs> yeah. Sick.
0: All right, so the closing conversation between Ash and Shalash, I don't want to read. Uh, but, Paul, you kind of already highlighted it. 4,000 years, Talon asked. Ash, what a wonderful thing. Wonderful. We left you, Talon. What a gift you gave them. Time to recover for once. Between desolations. Time to progress. They never had a chance before. But this time... Yes, maybe they do. No, Talon, you can't be like this. A wonderful thing indeed, Ash. You can't be like this, Talon. You have to hate me. Hate me, please. So the only not repetitive words that we've received from tall and up until this book or up until this point. So
1: I laughed a little bit when I read this and I probably should not have laughed. It's not really appropriate for this scene, but <laughs> I think episode one, our very first episode of this podcast, I, I, I made a comment. We, we see the, the prelude, right? where the heralds walk away or at least like two of the heralds are in that scene. And I remember just thinking that dude that they just abandoned in damnation, man, he's going to be pissed about that. I think I said that on the first episode <laughs> that we ever recorded. Yeah. Well, here we are and and town gets the revelation. Oh, yeah. You guys ditched me in damnation for 4000 years and it was just me. Oh yeah, that was great. That was fantastic actually. That could put us in a really good position here. This is this is excellent. Like well done guys. I like I had to laugh and just pause like whoa. Not what I was expecting at all.
0: So so the profile of the stone ward is basically Samwise Gamgee. The the loyal to a fault best friend. You really want them as as like by your side, they will be there for you forever, no matter what. That's a stone ward, and that's Tom.
3: I was gonna say, my understanding of stone wards were the like the the humble servant, like right. hard, like really hard work ethic, and like doesn't care about fancy things or whatever. Just wants to make sure every everyone's working well, you know.